It's a blessing to be able to lay our needs before the Lord and to rest in Him and to trust Him with those things. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd encourage you to take them, and you can turn, if you'd like, to Numbers 13. I'd like to continue on that theme that we had talked about last week. Last week in our time together, we spoke about the Gibeonites, and specifically in regard to faith. And we talked about faith, and we we, we saw the way that the Gibeonites uh, had faith. It was an imperfect faith. It was a faith that worked itself out only in the way that they understood. It was a faith that had to develop and grow in time, and yet we saw faith. One of the amazing things that has really stood out to me in the past, uh, really the past six months, eight months, uh, since we were studying on on, uh, uh, Tuesday night, Hebrews 11, uh, it's really stood out to me just how imperfect we all are, Uh, just how imperfect, even those who have, have great faith, uh, we still struggle. There's still so many things that, uh, in, in so many ways that we fall short, uh, that, 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 that attainment unto perfection is something that is reserved for heaven, uh, certainly not for this life, and yet we seek unto it. And that's what I want to talk about today. As we think about the Gibeonites and their faith, as we did so last week, and as we think about uh, the various aspects of faith itself, Faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews eleven six that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And, and as I was continuing to read just in my personal time this week and, and uh, think through various aspects of this concept this week, I came to Caleb. And I'd like to talk today uh, primarily about Caleb, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. In Numbers chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 1, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their father shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So God instructs Moses, and this is when the nation of Israel uh, had just come out of Egypt, and they were about to enter into the promised land. And it had only been a couple of months since Sinai, and they had traveled quite directly to the promised land. And in doing so, God had then asked that there be these spies sent into the land um, in order that they could spy out the land, see what there was, bring back a report to tell the people that God had given them everything that he had promised he was going to give them. And so we see this uh, here, this commandment, and then Moses chooses out these 12 men and the Bible says these were their names of the tribe of Rumen, Shemua, the son of Zakur, of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of the tribe of Issachar, Igal, the son of Joseph, of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshea, the son of Nun, that would be Joshua, the son of Nun, so um, the, the, the Joshua that wrote Joshua, right, and that led the people after Moses. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi, of the tribe of Joseph, namely the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi, of the tribe of Dan, Amael, the son of Gamali, of the tribe of Asher, Sether, the son of Michael, of the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vofsi, of the tribe of Gad, Geuel, the son of Mekai. And these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua, or Joshua, 
and uh, of course this is um, where where he is named what he is named so Moses sends these men to spy out the land the Bible tells us and uh, as you you perhaps know the account they go into the land and and they they see what there is to see and and it is indeed a, a wonderful land and yet as they go into the land they see that um, there are giants in the land they see that there are tall walls they see that there are chariots in the valleys and they come back and and um, they give a report and so they were gone in the land 40 days and the Bible tells us beginning in verse 26 of Numbers 13 and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land and they told him and said we came unto the land where whither thou sent, sentest us excuse me and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it so they put lay before them the fruit of the land the grapes of Eskel uh, they they affirm everything that God had said about the land verse 28 nevertheless the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great and moreover we saw the children of Anak there those would be the Anakims um, which was the people from whom Goliath would come from, those that were called uh, in, in this time uh, the Nephilim, the giants, right? And um, they were giants, uh, as was Goliath. And so the people of Anak were there saying that there were the giants, there were very strong people, there were very strong walls and such. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And so the, the spies give back this, this report that says, yep, the land is everything that it's supposed to be, but it is not going to be easy to take. There are tall walls, there are strong people, um, the, there are mountains, and people are living in the mountains. That would, that would mean that they were probably well fortified, that there were strongholds there, and such. Verse 30 tells us this, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. But the men that were with him said, We be not able to go up against this, uh, the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So they give this report, the strength of the land. They give this report, the, the fruit of the land. And Caleb says, let's go get it. We can overcome them. This is fine. God's be with us. God had, had, has given us these promises. He promised to drive out the people before us. He pr promised to do it incrementally so that the land would not wither. But as we get to them, he would, he would provide for us. They've already seen it. They've already seen God provide in a number of ways. They've already been led by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Uh, they've already uh, seen God work on Mount Sinai. They've already seen the Red Sea crossing. They've already seen the things that they need to see to believe it. They've heard the promises of God. And so Caleb says, let's go get it. But the others say, no, we can't do that. These people are too strong for us. Uh, they, they, um, the, the land eats up its inhabitants. Uh, there are giants in the land, and we were not just to them, but even to ourselves. We, 
it's not just that they saw us as grasshoppers, but we felt like grasshoppers. We felt small, we felt insignificant, we felt powerless to be able to, to fight this battle. Now we step into chapter 14, and in chapter 14 the Bible says this, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and our children should be prey. Were it not better for us to return to, into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Moses and Aaron do this quite regularly. Uh, we find that when there's trouble, uh, they immediately fall on their faces before the Lord. The first thing that they do is they go to the Lord because this is God's people. This is God's work. And if God is doing a work, then, then you lay it before the Lord. And you say, God, I need your help to do this work. But the people rebel. They murmur. They complain. They are sorrowful. They say, oh, why did we even come up out of Egypt? Why did we even come up? They'd forgotten what Egypt was like. And see, here they are, and they're facing a circumstance. And, and they haven't lost any battles yet. They haven't lost anything yet. But on the, the speculation of what might be if God was not faithful, on that speculation alone, they begin to murmur and complain and wish for the suffering of their former circumstances if only it did not ask for the worry of today. If only it did not, if only it did not call for the circumstances that lay before them. And yet the strangest thing about this is that God had accounted for those circumstances. Those circumstances were not unaccounted by God. God did not tell them that they would walk into the land and, and it would be completely empty of inhabitants. He, he knew the Canaanites were there. As a matter of fact, he commanded them to take care of the Canaanites, to slay the Canaanites, to cleanse the land of those who were sinful, as God had promised he would do in the days of Abraham some 450 years prior. So none of this was a surprise to God, and it should not have been, been a surprise to them. And that's why Caleb said what he said. See, this was not a surprise to him that there were giants in the land. This was not a surprise to him that there were tall walls. This was not a, a surprise to him that there were chariots in the valleys. It didn't matter to him because God had said, I will drive them out. God had said, I will provide for you. God has said, I will give you a victory. But the people murmured, the people complained, and they said, let's just appoint someone new and let's go back to Egypt. Verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. Joshua and Caleb stand up. They were two of those twelve that had gone into the land. And they say, don't do this. Don't rebel against the Lord. God has made provision. God has said we will be victorious. God said we're going to be okay. Don't rebel. Don't lose heart. 
Don't faint in your minds. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't rebel against his leaders. Don't fear the people of the land. God is our defense. Their defense is thus departed. The Lord will be with us as he has promised. So the glory of the Lord appears. God is not happy. The Bible says in verse 11, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have shown among them, I will smite them with a pestilence and disinherit them and make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Moses does what he does, which is he stands in the gap. He intercedes between God and the people. So we read in verse 13, And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest them up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that the Lord, that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Behold, the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them. Therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now, and the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. God says, I've pardoned. I have I have accepted your intercession. I have accepted you standing in the gap between me and this people. But make no mistake, the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Make no mistake, my righteousness, my faithfulness, my holiness will be vindicated. I will be vindicated among this people. And so he pardons the people. He says in verse 22, But all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. So God says there will be consequences, though. Because they did not believe me, they won't get to see the land. I'll still bring the people into the land, but it will not be these, these men, these men who refuse to come into the land. It will not be these people who saw the, the waters of the Red Sea part, who walked on dry ground, who followed me in the cloud and in the flame, who heard my voice on Sinai, who saw my wonders and yet will not enter the land, will not believe me, will not trust me. They, they won't enter the land. But, he says in verse 24, My servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land where into he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the Red Sea. And this is the beginning of the wilderness wanderings. Forty years of wandering until all the men of that generation died except for Caleb and then as he would go on here 
he speaks in verse 30 of Joshua as well. Now, I've spoken of this passage before. Imagine what Moses must have been thinking. See, Moses is the leader of this people, and it would not be for several more decades that he would um, smite the rock a second time rather than speak to the rock and, and thus lose his opportunity to go into the land. And as God said on this day, only Caleb and Joshua would enter the land. I wonder if Moses was thinking, what about me? He, he, he forgot to mention me. Uh, maybe he just, he just thought I'd, I'd, I'd enter by, by default, by de facto. Didn't need to mention me. I don't know what Moses was thinking, but Moses isn't mentioned here because Moses doesn't get to enter the land either. So we have him promise that Caleb and Joshua would enter the land, but he, he really zeroes in on Caleb here, doesn't he? And he says, Caleb will enter the land. And notice the reason why. Because he had another spirit with him, he and hath followed me fully. He had another spirit with him. He carried a different spirit into that land when he went to look it out. Those ten, they went to look out the land, to search out the land with a spirit of skepticism, maybe? Caleb went in with a spirit of anticipation. Caleb did not go into that land wondering what it might look like to see whether or not they could take it. Caleb went into the land with the spirit that God had intended, a spirit that said, let's go see what God has given us. It's, it's the spirit of Christmas. Can we put it that way? It's not that the child goes downstairs on Christmas and says, I wonder if I have any presents, because they've seen the presents under the tree, they know which ones have their names on it, whatnot, but it's the spirit of the child who goes down and says, I wonder what's in them right? Not, I wonder if I have any, but I wonder what's in them. And that's the spirit that Caleb took into the land. I wonder what our land looks like. I wonder what the land that God has already given to us looks like. And then he sees the tall walls, and he sees the Anakims, and he sees uh, um, the chariots, and he says, okay, well, they're there. That, that's a bummer for them because they're about to be bowled over. They're about to be bulldozed. But look at this beautiful land. Look, I could see myself building a house over there. Look at that. That's going to be great. And, and, and he's looking at the land as if it's already his. Not because he had abject confidence in his own ability, but because he had confidence in the Lord. God says he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully. And that leads us back into Joshua. Last week we were in Joshua. I'd like to take you back to Joshua today. Here's, here we are in Numbers 14. I'd like you then to skip ahead to Joshua 14. In Joshua 14, the land has been taken. Jericho has fallen. Ai has fallen. The Gibeonites, all that's been, been taken care of. And various elements of the inheritance have already been doled out to certain of the tribes, specifically to Judah. And the Bible says that at the end of this time, Caleb comes to Joshua. And we read beginning in verse 6 of, num of Joshua 14. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Right? So God had said that they went back to Kadesh Barnea. That's where the spies returned. 
and God said of Caleb and Joshua that they would enter the land. So Caleb is reminding him of Numbers 13 and 14 here in Joshua 14. He says in verse 7, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, and he said these forty years and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. A score is twenty, so he's eighty-five years old. He was uh, effectively forty years old when he, when he went and spied out the land. He came back, they started their wilderness wanderings, 40 years in the wilderness, and then it's been uh, around five years since they entered the land um, where they have been conquering the land and, and divvying up the land and such. So he's now 85 years old, four score, four times 20, 80 plus five, four score and five years old. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now uh, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. And my strength, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. So he says, I'm still strong, Joshua. God has kept me strong. God has given me good health. I'm still able to battle. And there's something that needs to be done. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord be with, will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave un, uh, unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Caleb says, God has told, God told me that I would live in the land that I had observed. He said, I saw that land, I saw the Anakims, I saw that area, I saw the high fence cities, that's what I saw, that's what I observed. God said, I can have that land, now give it to me, so I can go take it. And Joshua said, it's yours. And Caleb, who had been fighting alongside God's people, who had been helping claim this inheritance, went and he took that mountain and it became his home. And that idea, this spirit that was in Joshua, is the spirit that I want to exhort you unto today. Last week we talked about faith, and we talked about all of the dynamics of faith, and we talked about how faith uh, is not just an, an inner and out thing, it's, 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 a, it's a dynamic which has a range of, of, of elements of, of choices and of consequences and faith is something that that um, uh, ebbs and flows in, in a manner of speaking and we, we were called last week unto faith that we would believe the Lord this week I want to call you unto a tenacity in that faith I want to call you unto the kind of faith that we see in Caleb here not just that you have faith, and I hope last week it did not appear that I was trying to 
say, you know, you may not have a lot of faith and that's okay. I, I don't think you would have gleaned that from the message. But this week, I want to call you into something else from the Word of God. Not just to be like the Gibeonites who had faith. Certainly that faith that we might say like a mustard seed, whereby they sought to connect themselves to the people of God because they truly believed what God was saying. But to have the faith of Caleb, who didn't just believe that God was going to enter the land, but who knew that this land was already as good as defeated, and who gave himself wholly, he fully followed the Lord. You know, the scriptures have so many promises. And those promises are rooted in the things that are to come, given to those who will step out by faith and do things God's way, who will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all of these things shall be added unto you. This, this is the, the, the tenor and the tone of the scriptures, that God has spoken, and that within the word of God we have God's words, that God has spoken to us through his word, as Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God who at sundry times and diverse manner has, has spoken in time past through the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us through his son Jesus Christ. And so God has spoken to us. He has given us his word. He has told us what he desires of us. That we would do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with our God, as Micah 6.8 tells us. And yet, there are many times in our lives where we can get distracted. Here it was them getting distracted by the logistical difficulties of the land that was presented before them, by the practicalities of the day. And this would, of course, be, not be the only time that the people were distracted. As a matter of fact, the people have been distracted several times before this. They were distracted. And they allowed that distraction not just to divert them, but they were quite willing to just turn around and leave. That did not happen. Moses interceded for the people. He kept them on track. That's the importance of a good leader. But Caleb, Caleb was never this way. Caleb not only believed the Lord, but then as we get to Joshua chapter 14, Caleb said, I want to go get what God has promised me. I want that mountain. Let me have it so I can go take it. And this reminds me of someone else. This reminds me of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is re-entering the land after his years with Laban. His mother has died. His father is still alive. Esau is in the land. Jacob ran because he was afraid of his brother Esau because he had deceived his father into um, taking the blessing from Esau. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 32, in the night before he re-entered the land, in verse 24, the Bible says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he, he, that would be the man that wrestled with Jacob, touched the hollow of his, Jacob's thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go. For the day breaketh, and he, that would be Jacob, said, I will not let thee go, except thou 
bless me. And he said, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, this, uh, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. You have wrestled with the Lord, and you have prevailed. Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And of course, Jacob um, asks for the man's name, and the man does not tell him. And yet Jacob calls the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And so we see that he recognized here that this was the angel of the Lord, that this was God that he wrestled with. He wrestled with the Lord. And it's interesting because if you look at a lot of Jewish scholars and whatnot, they'll, they'll strongly emphasize in the name Israel the wrestling with the Lord. But what God says as he emphasizes the name Israel is not that, not that Jacob wrestled with the Lord, but that he prevailed. That he prevailed. It was not that Jacob was wrestling that God blessed. It was that Jacob was tenacious. It was that Jacob wanted what God had promised. It was really this very thing that caused Jacob to do what he did all throughout his life. It wasn't a good thing that Jacob deceived his father, but he did it because he wanted that blessing. Jacob, sold, uh, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. That was Esau's problem entirely there. Not, not so much Jacob's problem, but Jacob asked for it because he wanted it. Because he saw, he saw the promises of God and he said, I want those. I want those. We see all throughout the New Testament, the lepers, the deaf, the blind, the sick, seeking out the Lord, begging him, and Jesus acquiescing. Thy faith hath saved thee. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I want to encourage you today unto Caleb's type of faith, unto a tenacious faith, unto a faith that is not just willing to skirt along in life saying that you believe these things and hoping that at certain points there will be an intersection between God's promises and your daily life in such a way that it's going to bring about some measure of blessing. You say, well, I'm ready for something when it might come, but it's going to have to come under the right circumstances. It's going to have to come and find me. I'll, I'll take the right step when the step crosses my path. That's all well and good, and I hope you do. I hope when those things bang on your door that you open the door, but can I encourage you to go and find them? Can I encourage you to seek out the blessings of the Lord, to seek out this faith, to go look for those places where faith can be made sight, where, where, where God's promises can be realized, to not just wait, to not just sit around, to not sit idly by while life passes us by and just hope that faith circumstances find you. You don't have to do that because you can find them. You can seek out to the Lord. And in fact, the Lord is pleased with those who seek Him. The Lord is pleased with those who seek Him tenaciously, with those who want that blessing so badly that they will seek it out. Want the promises of God so badly that it will encompass your priorities, that it will encompass your determinations, that it will set the tone for your day, that it will set your schedule because you will be blessed. Remember in Sunday school a little while back, 1 Kings chapter 2, I believe it was verse 44. 
when Solomon was cleaning out the kingdom after, uh, during the transition after the days of David. He did what he did, he said, because Solomon and the house of David will be blessed. Nothing is going to stand between me and the blessing of God. What stands between you and God's blessings today? That's the question. Over the last couple of weeks, things have perhaps been a bit slower for you. Maybe not. But if they have, maybe you've been able to take a personal inventory. You've seen time that you've wasted. You've seen priorities that are out of place. You've seen how things have gotten a little bit out of hand. And the call is that you can seek unto those blessings, that there are things that might be standing between you and what God has for you that need to go. Caleb saw the land, and he didn't, the, the, the things that stood between him and the land didn't matter to him. And it's not that it's because they weren't there, but it's because they were not going to stand between him and God's blessings. They were not going to be stand between him and God's promises. And so he, he sought unto them. He said, I'm going to go take that mountain. I'm going to go take that mountain because that's the one that God has promised me. And if God has promised it to me, it doesn't matter if the Anakims are there. It doesn't matter if the high fences are there. It doesn't matter if there are chariots in the valleys. They, their defenses are gone because God has promised it to me. And we look at the world around us and the promises of the world that, as it stands and the things that the world says we want and the things that the world says are yours by right. You have a right to your time. You have a right to your priorities. You have a right to your desires. You have a right to your feelings. You have a right to these things. And the Bible says you can go that way, but if you'll do it God's way, if you, instead of trusting your feelings, will, will, will bind your feelings to God's will, word and God's will, there's a blessing there. If you, instead of taking your, your time for yourself, will redeem the time and will give it to the Lord, if you, instead of hoarding all of your resources to yourself, will redeem those and, and, and serve the Lord with them, if you instead will give them to the Lord, if you will seek that out, if you will tenaciously pursue those things, there's a blessing there. You've just got to go get it. You've got to go get it. And in doing so, we will find those things that the Lord has promised. And this brings me to the last few moments of application today. In James chapter 1, We've heard it many times before. Beginning in verse 19, the Bible says this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. James says there are things that are in this world. He speaks here of filthiness and superfluity, the overabundance of naughtiness, of those things that are in the unbelieving world, of those things which our flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil seek to call us unto. Say, this is where happiness is. This is where rest is. This is where desire can be fulfilled. And James says, set that apart and receive rather the word of God. God said in Numbers, if only God's people would believe me, if only they would believe me. Do you believe God's word? Do you believe it? Not have you heard it, not do you know it, do you believe it? Do you believe it enough to rest your life upon it? 
Do you believe it enough to make it the very foundation, not just for your salvation, but the foundation upon which you live every day? Do you believe it enough so that you don't have to live in fear? Because God has told us that He will keep us. We know that our days and our times are in the Lord's hands. Do you believe it enough so that you don't have to live in anger? Setting aside anger, right? Being slow to wrath, because the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Do you believe it enough to give unto the Lord that which is His, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, knowing that all of those other things will be added unto you? Do you believe God? God looked on that day when the people rejected him and wanted to go back to Egypt, and he said, if only they would believe me. But you know that one Caleb, he had another spirit with him because he fully committed himself to me. So James says, but be doers of the word, verse 22, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The blessed man is not the hearer, the blessed man is the doer. The blessed man is the man that, that hears the word of God, believes it, and with tenacity, with determination says, I'm going to go get it. Let's go get it. It doesn't matter that there are chariots. It doesn't matter that there are giants. It doesn't matter that there are walls. It doesn't matter that there are things in front of me that the world, the flesh, and the devil, that, that my perception would tell me is standing between me and God's will. It doesn't matter. I'm going to go get it. It doesn't matter. I have this flesh, and this flesh is weak, and I acknowledge that this flesh is weak, but you know what? I'm going to seek unto God. I am. I, I, I want that mountain. Give me that mountain that I may go take it. And that spirit is the spirit of one who is blessed. That man will be blessed in his deed. He is determined to have God's blessing, and thus he is determined to trust the Lord.